let's let's turn to God's Word tonight. If you have your Bibles, we've been on the subject of prayer for several weeks now. And last week we came to uh, this area of intercession, prayer, the intercessor. And this is the second part, really, of last week. Uh, I, I don't know how far I'll get through on this tonight, but I believe that... Just as a background to this, I believe it's most important in these days uh, that as we look through history and look through the history of faith, that we what we find is that it's it's when there are great times of crisis, when there are great times of turmoil in a nation or, or nations, that that is the time that often you'll find that in particular the, the intercessor comes to the fore in the place of prayer to really grasp the heart of God and to bring uh, that earnest and that effectual fervent prayer before the throne of grace on behalf of the people, on behalf of the nation before God and to begin to plead the cause before God for mercy and for an intervention. And, you know, the days in which we are living in, we uh, so often talk about it, so often we discuss what is happening, uh, and often we uh, go through all the detail of the, the, the despondency, the despair, the departure, the apostasy, uh, the, the whole rise of wickedness, the spirit of Antichrist. But in all of that, in that knowledge of what we have, what is crucial is that there is a response from the church to the crisis that we as the church of Jesus Christ, what's crucial for that is that there is an awakening amongst the body of Christ. That there is an awakening in the church of Jesus Christ. Because it's not just enough for us to see it, know it, and preach what is happening in real terms prophetically. But we have to respond to what is happening in the place of prayer. And that is crucial. So we're going to read tonight from... Daniel chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, if you turn over, uh, just a, a lengthy reading if you don't mind, but I believe it's important because we see here the prayer of Daniel in the time of crisis uh, and, and an understanding and revelation that came to his heart and how he responded to that. And you'll find uh, these prayers that are made by these men of God throughout Scripture interceding on behalf of the nation. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Daniel chapter 9. And by God's grace, we'll see just where we go tonight with this. Daniel chapter 9, uh, beginning to read at uh, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Asiwaras, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. 
Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which speak in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day, to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and that are afar off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness. Though we have rebelled against him, neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he has set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured out upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he speak against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done, hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched, the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and has gotten thee renewn as it as this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from the city of Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and thy people are are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes, and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city, for thy people are called by thy name. This is a powerful intercession. This is a powerful prayer made by Daniel at a time of great turmoil and crisis that was taking place in the nation of Israel. Daniel had a revelation. Now, at the beginning of this message tonight, I believe what is crucial, what will awaken the church, what will cause the church to arise up out of slumber and sin, and apathy and backsliddenness and lukewarmness that is so abundant in the church in a general sense, what actually awakens her out of such a sleep? Well, in Daniel chapter 
9 and verse 2. The Bible tells us there, in the first year of his reign, that's Darius, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now why is that important in this message tonight and coming into this area of looking at the intercessor? First of all, Daniel was awakened through the revelation of the word of God to the hour that he had come to. It's so important, unless people grasp the crisis that we're in, the prophetic fulfillment that has taken place according to the word of God, unless there's an understanding, not just in an intellectual sense of understanding end times, but that there is a revelation that comes by way of the Spirit of God into the heart of a man or a woman to grasp where we are in the in God's prophetic calendar and where we grasp the days in which we are living in to know that only when we see that, when we grasp that, when the revelation of that comes by the Word of God, will the church rise up to the moment that she's in. Here it says that I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years. In other words, he was a man that would study the Word of God. He was in the Word of God. He was seeking the Lord. He was in God's Word. And because he was in the Word of God, God was speaking to him through his Word. And the revelation of what God had penned through the prophet Jeremiah came to his heart and he understood the crisis that the nation was in, that the hour had come. If you go over into Jeremiah 25 and verse 11, then we can see exactly what what Daniel understood from God's word. Jeremiah 25 and 11 says, And this whole land shall be a desolation and astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years, and it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans, and I will make it perpetual desolations, and I will bring upon that land all my words which I have spoken against it, even that is written in this book, which Jeremiah the prof- Jeremiah had prophesied against all these nations. So Daniel is in the place of studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, and the revelation comes to his heart as we know that he is one that has been carried into that Babylonian captivity, that there's a desolation in the nations, there's been a departure from the faith, We see that the judgment of God had fallen upon Israel. Now they're dispersed across the Babylonian kingdom and empire. But yet in the midst of all of that darkness and that backsliddenness and apathy and lukewarmness, we see that there was a remnant that were looking to the word of God, that were studying the prophetic word in order to grasp the hour that they'd come to. When Daniel grasped the truth, 
when he grasped the prophetic revelation of God and what he was about to do, then in his heart he, he rose up in order to pray and to seek the Lord. You see, what's important for us is that we are given by God and by the grace of God that the understanding spiritually, this is not just an intellectual thing, but God has told us in his word, Paul writing in Ephesians, that the eyes of our understanding has been enlightened. That simply means that we're no longer in darkness. We were once blind, but now we see. And we know that's a spiritual sight. That means that God wants to convey to us, because there's spiritual enlightenment, when we turn to God's word, and the, the tragedy of our day is the neglect of the Word of God. The tragedy of our day is that the book remains closed. The tragedy of our day that so many people have, have, have turned away from, from reading the Word of God and turning to God's Word and knowing the Word of God. My people, the Bible says, are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. The book remains closed and God has given us an understanding understanding by the Spirit that when we read the Word of God, it is the Holy Ghost that will speak to us through God's Word. He will illuminate the page. He'll bring the prophetic reality of where we are into our hearts. And so what we see here is that in the New Testament, being born of the Spirit of God, our eyes have been enlightened by the Spirit of the Lord. And 1 John 5 and 20, it says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we might know Him that is true, that we would know the truth, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. We're speaking here of a spiritual enlightenment. Even in the crisis, even in the departure, even in the death and the apostasy, the wickedness, the judgment of God is upon this land. That I am in no doubt this pandemic, this plague that is sweeping over the nations, the fear that comes with it. We see the whole nations being shaken, the turmoil, we just roll into crisis after crisis. It seems to never let up. And now we're facing an economic disaster. And here, friends, in all of this, if we don't turn to that which is true, there's one thing that is true, that is Jesus Christ and his word. And in his word, then, we'll see, as it were, that that the revelation as it came to Daniel's heart through the word of God, the revelation will come again to the church of Jesus Christ, to the hour in which we are living, to see what has taken place, but our response to that, to cause us to rise up in the place of prayer, to intercede for this nation just like Daniel did. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, it says there, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, 
And they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Look what it says. The book of Revelation is to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. It ends with the time is at hand. It is near. So we understand as we look at the end times, when we study eschatology, there's different views and different thoughts. But listen, this is what's important. What is important is that we grasp the heart of God as we are living in the days known as the last days, perilous times, times of great turmoil, times like that have not been seen before. The timing of events, there might be different ideas or different interpretations, but what's important, what we cannot miss and which we often do miss is the thrust of the very heart of God and the prophetic fulfillment of Scripture that the time is near, that the crisis has come, that we're living in the last days. Christ is about to break through for His church. This world is plummeting deeper and the darkness and wickedness is on the rise. Friends, in this hour, we see the apathy, but unless... The wind of God blows and there's a revelation comes to the heart of the church. Now we must res- respond to the crisis by getting on our knees like they always did and begin to intercede at the throne of grace. Brothers and sisters, we'll sleep on. We might have plenty of activity, but we'll continue to sleep in the hour of crisis when we should be awakened to the need that there is. The Bible says in Romans 13 and verse 11 that knowing the time, you know, Daniel's responding to God in prayer because he knew what time it was. He knew he understood the word of the Lord. He understood the prophetic calendar that was being fulfilled in his day. And the Bible says in Romans 13 and 11 that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of our sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Now let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Do we know the time? Are we aware of the time? Do we know in the spiritual end of things, the hour in which we have come to, that it is a time, it is high time for us to awaken out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than than when we believe. The night is far spent, The day is at hand. In other words, it's like Christ is at the door, that he has mounted the horse, that the heavens are about to open, that the trumpet of the Lord is about to sound, that Christ is about to come in all his splendor and in all his glory. The darkness has come. The wickedness has risen high. We see it all around us. We feel the wickedness of this day. We see the wickedness of this generation. We see that the cup of iniquity 
equity is almost full. But yet, friends, the tragedy in all of that is that especially in our own nation, there still seems to be a great sleep amongst the people of God because they don't realize, they don't understand the day that we're in. They don't see it. They don't believe it. They might even talk about it. But because of the life that they live, we know that it's not a revelation in their heart. The crisis has come. And now the response is a necessary response of intercession for the day in which we're in. Daniel 9 and verse 3, it says these words, And I set my face unto the Lord God. You see, he responded. You know, if we're saying it's the last days, if we're saying the darkness is great, if we're really concerned about the bloodshed of innocent blood as murder in in the mother's womb, if we're really concerned about the brokenness, the suicide, the death, the despair, and all that's going on, brothers and sisters, you see the response here. There has to be a response to the crisis. There has to be a rising up. We can't sit and just get fat spiritually and be full and never do anything with that. But we must rise up and we must seek the Lord. We must set our faces onto the Lord. This became his priority. This became his number one thing. This became something that was urgent in the heart of Daniel. This is intercession we're talking about. This is something that means that we have to lay aside so many other things in our lives. They may not even be sinful things, but they just may be things that clutter us. Sometimes, as our brother Peter said, Peter Bond said to me recently, he has one-liners that are just classics. He said, sometimes, brother, we just need to clear the attic. And sometimes we need to clear the attic. You know, those attics, if you have one, normally they're filled with everything. Everything goes up into the attic, all the clutter of the day. But sometimes we got to clear out the whole attic. And we got to get right and get serious with the Lord. Daniel said, I set my face onto the Lord God. No, just like Nehemiah, (coughs) Nehemiah of old, we read of him in Nehemiah 1 and 4, when he hears all the reports, you know, you just hear it constantly. You can't listen to the news, the news for more than five minutes until you know that your spirit's soiled. You cannot, in some ways, friends, just sit down for a moment in the street and not see the despair the brokenness, the darkness, you hear it, you see it, you feel it, the atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere has changed dramatically. And now we see like Nehemiah, when he hears all the words and the desolation of the city of Jerusalem, he sat down and he wept and he mourned certain days and he fasted and he prayed before the God of heaven. There's a response to the crisis from God's people, from the remnant. It's not just enough to hear it. It's not just enough for us to know it. 
It's not just enough for have to have a theological understanding of it, but what's our response to the crisis? And that response must be what it's always been. We gotta get serious with God. We gotta set our faces to seek the Lord. We gotta mourn. We gotta fast. We gotta pray to the God of heaven because we know there's a God in heaven that responds to the cry of the intercessor. We know that Daniel was a man of prayer. This wasn't the first time that he prayed. This was a practice of his life. But here he is plunged into a deeper place of prayer with God. There was a deeper intimate place in the heart. That's what happens in true intercession. There's an intimacy that goes into the depth of the heart of the individual. This is intercession that we're talking about. It plunges them into a deeper place of prayer. It's not elevating people. It's not a special group of people. It's not an elite warfare group of people. It's simply a group of people that God burdens them with his heart. And they in that deeper place begin to seek God and the wind of God's upon their back. And there's an intercession. There's a groan. There's a cry. There's a, there's a calling out to God. Friends, that's what the church needs to do again today. We need to get the attic clear. We need to get the apparatus all cleared out of the road. But we need to get down to business with this great God. We see here that Daniel being a man of prayer, we know the character of the man, how he would turn to God in a time of crisis. And he faced an antichrist spirit just like we are today. He faced a Babylonian spirit like we are in the physical as we are in the spiritual. That rise of that antichrist world is so tangible. You can reach out and you can touch it. It's everywhere, friends. It's in every fabric of our society. But we know of Daniel. If you go back to Daniel chapter 6 just for a moment. Daniel chapter 6. You know, they made laws. And how important, how relevant this is in the day in which we're living. You're so much of it. You know, we need God just to give us a word in the midst of this. We really do. We need to hear from the throne today. I need to hear from the throne of God. What's God saying in all of this? There's so much of our opinion, but we really need to get a a word of the Lord. And in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, we read there that the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Listen to these words. But they could not find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Here we see that Antichrist world. Here we see that spirit of Antichrist that we are witnessing today. It comes cloaked. It comes in many guises. It comes in many forms. And it comes with many labels. But listen, the one thing that's etched all behind of all that's happening today is the spirit of Antichrist. It really is, friends, rising up to find an occasion against the church of Jesus Christ. Rising up to try and find some fault in God's people. Rising up to try and do something in order to thwart the purpose and the plan of God for Jesus Christ and his church. 
And here we see in verse 5 it says, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Now what we have, what we have seen here is that they were trying to find some fault within him. And they knew the only way they could do it is if they could manipulate the law in some way. That they could in somehow, some way, that they could manipulate all of this. And they could get Daniel to disobey the law of the kingdom of the Babylonians. Because they knew he was a man that always would obey God's word. And so we see in verse 7 that all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, the captains, consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Friends, do you see it? Is it so clear? Do you get the revelation of what's happening? The presidents of the kingdoms, the governors, the princes, the counselors, the captains consulted together. Listen, friends, I could probably just change the names of all of that great categories there that I've mentioned. I mentioned some very familiar uh, labels and organizations and, and government offices and just present them to you because they are working together under the power of, of an Antichrist spirit and they have one purpose. And that's to make war with the Lamb and with those that follow the Lamb. And here we see that they make the decree. They make their law. Friends, listen, they're making their laws. In verse 10, it says these words. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, when he knew the law that they'd made, when he knew what they'd put in writing, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled on his knees three times a day, prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did every other time. In other words, you can make your laws. You can do what you're going to do. You can write them down. You can pass them in Stormont. You can pass them in the Houses of Parliament. You can pass them wherever you want to pass them. And you can get the Queen to sign them all. But as for me and my house, Daniel's saying, I am going to serve God like I've always served God. You're not going to stop me praying to the God of heaven and to the Savior that gave us life for me. You're not going to stop the church of Jesus Christ coming together to seek the Lord in prayer and to call upon his great name. He got on his knees like he did every other time. He prayed and he gave thanks. This is what it is to set your face Unto the Lord. This is what it is to set yourself. This is what it is to get serious with God. He set the time. He made the preparation. He believed and he knew that he could intercede before a God that was above all thrones. A God that was above all powers. A God that was above all systems. The Almighty God. How did he know this? Because he knew it from God's word. I reiterate this tonight. He knew it from the word of God. If you go right back to 1 Kings. And chapter 8 and verse 46. We read there at the dedication of the temple. When Solomon 
built the temple unto the Lord. David received the plans. Solomon built the temple. God provided everything for that temple. But we read here that the great dedication of that temple and the great prayer that was made by Solomon. He said these words in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 46. He said, If they sin against thee, this is Solomon in prayer, for there is no man that sinneth not. And now be angry with them and deliver them to the enemy. Judgment comes. What he's talking about is judgment coming upon the land. So that they carry them away captives into the land of the enemy, far or near. Yet if they shall bethink themselves in the land, whether they be carried captives, and repent and make supplication unto thee in the land of them that carried them captive, saying, We have sinned. We have done perversely. We have committed wickedness. You see the tone of the prayer that, that Daniel cries here in Daniel chapter 9. We have sinned. We have done wickedly. It is us, Lord. We have turned from you. We have committed wickedness. Verse 48 and 1 Kings and 8. And so return unto thee with all of their heart. Listen to what the key is. The key to the backsliddenness. The key to the lukewarmness. The key to the church being set ablaze with the love of God and a fire in every meeting. Friends, this is what the key is. And so return unto thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies which led them away captive and pray unto thee toward their land which thou givest unto their fathers the city which thou hast chosen, the house which I built for thy name. Then hear thou their prayer and supplication in heaven thy dwelling place and maintain their cause. See what happens? See what Daniel knew, what he understood from the word of God? He realized that in the crisis, even in this, as far as the whole of Jerusalem had been led desolate, they had been carried away. They were now slaves and captives in a foreign land. They sat by the rivers of Babylon and they wept when they remembered the glory, when they remembered Zion. But here God and his word had revealed to them, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how dark it's become, no matter how despairing it may be, but if you turn with turn on to me with all of your heart and with all of your soul, even in the land of your enemies, listen, he's going to maintain your cause. Verse 50 says, I'll forgive and forgive thy people that have sinned against thee, and all their transgressions wherein they have transgressed against thee, and give them compassion before them who carried them captive, that they might have compassion upon them. Oh, what an answer to prayer. God sealed the prayer of Solomon by appearing and here and calling upon him and saying, I've heard your prayer from this place. Listen, friends, tonight, it's when the church with all of their heart, half-heartedness is no good. Lukewarmness is no good. A divided heart is no good. One foot in the world and one foot in the church, even if there is a possible thing, but it's no good. Backsliddenness is no good. Coldness of heart is no good. Unforgiveness in the heart is no good friends all these things plummet the church into a place 
where the enemy comes and he takes, as it were, the control and the strongholds that are all around us. But when the church just simply turn again with all of their heart and with all of their soul and they begin to seek the Lord and they put the priorities right and they set their faces to God, they say, this is what we're going to do. No matter the cost or the price, no matter how foolish it may look, even in the day in which we're living in, there may not be many, but there will be enough that will simply say, with all of my heart and with all of my soul, soul and everything that is within me. I'm going to bless his holy name. I'm going to turn onto the God of heaven that forgives sin, that has mercy for his people and he will come with great deliverance and he will move by his great power. He says in all of this he will forgive us. He will forgive us our transgressions. He will forgive our sins And he will give them compassion before them who carried them captive. That they may have compassion, compassion upon them. Look at the awesome privilege that we have in the new covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 4 and verse 15, think about it. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace in time and help in time of need, and find grace to help in time of need. Friends, I want to tell you, Daniel. And these great men of God in the Old Testament, the Nehemiah and Solomon and so forth. But friends, I want to tell you, if they knew and they had and they understood the great privilege of what we have today, to enter into the very throne of grace through and by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, to enter in before our great high priest who had borne our sin and carried our shame and our iniquities, him who is up in the glory tonight, thank God that he's risen and triumphed over all the powers of darkness and he's seated at the right hand of God and he's made a way and it's a blood-sprinkled way right to the very throne of grace of Almighty God that with all of our heart and with all of our souls and that everything that is within us we can enter into the throne of grace boldly by the blood of Jesus Christ to obtain mercy Oh, how our nation needs mercy. How our church needs mercy. How we need mercy. How we need mercy, but we serve a God who's abundant in mercy. We serve a God who has great mercy. And we can find it at the throne of grace. We find grace to help in a time of need. Friends, is it not a needy hour? You see, Daniel knew it was a needy hour. He knew it was a needy time. He knew there was a people in great need. Friends, the Bible says the judgment begins at the house of God. And friends, I do believe that the church must respond to the crisis. We must rise up in this hour. We must rise up and respond to the crisis. But we will not if we don't understand the time. If we don't know the hour in which we have come. 
come. If we don't know the day in which we're living, you know, we'll be caught up in all the frivolous stuff of this world. We'll be caught up in the backsliding and the indifference. Yes, there might be some form of religious activity on the outward. There might be some type of religious cloak that we'll wear and some type of pretense. But friends, I want to tell you, it's all about the depth of a man's heart. It's all about what's in that heart before this almighty God. There's a desire in this day to respond. I believe there is. I believe there's a remnant. I believe there's a people that are saying, we see the crisis. We know the day we've come to. But we've got to respond and respond to that place of intercession. That's a place that begins to cry. That's an altar before Almighty God. That's a place where the church is on its knees and begins to call out to God. There's a cry that comes from the depth of a heart. That place of communion and intimacy that the Spirit of God works. There's a contrition. There's a humility. There's a true repentance on behalf of the sins of the people. But there's a response and God hears the cry of his people. Daniel knew the time. He could see the age. He could see the season that he was in. He realized that there's a God in heaven who answers prayer. There's a God that hears and answers prayer. And so he set his face to seek the Lord. It became his number one thing. It became his priority. It became an urgency in the heart. This is intercession. This wasn't a man that says, I wonder will I go to the prayer meeting tonight? I don't know whether I'll go or not. I see how I feel because I'm tired. I'm just not sure what I want to do. I'll maybe just do my own thing tonight. There's stuff I need to do in the house. There's places I need to go. There's other things that I need to engage my time in. No, 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 friends. This is a man that gets a hold of God and God gets a hold of him. This is a man that has an urgency to get to prayer. This is a woman that says, oh, I must, I must pray through and get through. I must get to that place of prayer. We must make prayer. We must respond to the crisis with true intercession, with a place that's an altar that calls in God, that goes beyond just the facade of a religious gathering. There was an urgency because he understood the time. Oh, if only we really understood the time. If we really do get it, friends, if God is stirring, and I believe God is stirring our hearts like many others, then the house, must be put in its proper place, the house of prayer, to seek by prayer. This is what he said. I've set my face to seek by prayer and supplication. I see that word prayer there. That is in the Hebrew, tefillah, which is simply translated as intercession. There you see it. He set his face to seek by intercession and supplication. The word supplication in the original again means earnest prayer. You see, here is a type of prayer. There are many types of prayer and all are important. But this particular type of prayer comes in a crisis, comes in a day when there's a great crisis. There was an intercession. There was an earnest 
an earnest praying, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it availeth much. There was fasting and the refraining from food to humble ourselves before the Almighty. There was sackcloth and ashes that was a symbol in the Old Testament of a repentance and a, and a broken heart for the sins of a nation. Well, friends, you don't have to go and buy a sackcloth and you don't have to go and get ashes out of your fire and pour them over your head. But what is important is, you see, it is the heart of man. It's a true contrition of the heart. What was the outward symbol in the old needs to be an inward reality in the new. There was a contrition. They were disturbed because of sin. They were disturbed because there's a law being passed that will shed innocent blood on our, on our, on our nation and bring the judgment of God. They were concerned because of the rise of immorality and the wickedness and the suicide Suicide and the deprivation of man as he plunged deeper and deeper into darkness. They were concerned that there was a holy God in heaven and that he was offended and grieved with the sin. And so they put on sackcloth and ashes. They were a particular and a peculiar type of man. They didn't really fit into the religious mold of the day. And friends, really, you don't, we're not trying to make a statement of any type at all. But you know, as people want to play the pretense, well, then they got to play it and let them play it. But you see, we got to get serious with God in prayer. we got to really get down to a place. Oh, God, may the Spirit of God stir us and reveal to us the day in which we're living. There was a contrition and there was a heart that was repentant before God because of the sin. Intercession will touch and bring the great sin of a nation and say, Lord, we have sinned. Oh, well, that's not me. That's them. No, no, it's us. It's a collective responsibility, Lord. Would you have mercy? Would you have mercy in Northern Ireland for, for, for this law that's been passed, the abortion law? Would you have mercy for the laws that have been passed for same-sex marriage? Would you have mercy upon us, oh God, for the laws that have been brought in that are against the word of the Lord? Would you have mercy upon us, Lord, for the apathy in the church for the carnality in the church, for the immorality in the church. Oh, would you have, would you have mercy upon us? I know, friend, it's not really a popular thing because, you know, everyone wants to just carry on if nothing's happening. Just enjoy ourselves. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That's the whole thought of much, much of the church today. But oh God, there's a people that respond to the crisis. Repentance. Is crucial in intercession. That repentance in the church is more needed today than ever. True repentance in the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive us for what we have made it. Forgive us, Lord, for our apathy, for giving you the last of our lives, for trailing ourselves towards your throne when we've done all the other things of pleasure-seeking, spending it on ourselves, doing our own thing, and then at the end of the day, trying to give you the last of our lives. Oh, Father God, forgive us. Lord, we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto us. Friends, I'm going to stop there tonight. There's more, but... 
I believe I've just shared what God has put in my heart. And I know God has helped me to do it. I know he's helped me to do it tonight. But friends, may we respond to the crisis. May we pray that our eyes would be open and understand the times. May this wee hall be a place where it is a place of intercession, of prayer that truly cries out to God. That is the only answer. That will be the place that God comes to. That's where God will meet with us. And that's where God will hear and answer our prayers. Thank you, Father, tonight for all that you mean to each of us. Pray, Lord, that through these stammering lips tonight that you have revealed your heart, your desire for your people. Oh, God, tonight we pray. Lord, would you have mercy upon us. Lord, would you forgive us for all, Lord, has been done in your name. Lord, and even those things that especially, Lord, that have grieved your Holy Spirit. Oh, God, we pray, Lord, have mercy upon the town of Balnehinch. Forgive us as your people for what is going on in your name in this town. We ask you to forgive us. Lord, forgive our sin. Forgive the division, Lord, the bickering and the fighting. Oh, God, we pray, would you have mercy? Mercy, Lord, we pray for the church of Jesus Christ. Mercy, Lord. Oh, Father, we pray, Lord, for how your name and your testimony has been tarnished and pulled down. Lord, through immorality, Lord, and the works of wickedness, Lord, that's been done, Lord, throughout the land, Lord, in the place that is known as your church. Oh, Father, we're praying, have mercy. Forgive us, Lord, have compassion. Lord, would you move again through this land? Lord, would you move again through your your body, one body? Would you move through it by the power of your spirit? Awaken us, Lord. Awaken us, O God, to the hour in which we're in. We ask all these mercies tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen.